Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're so glad to have you with us here this evening on Ask Herbal Health Expert Susan Weed, a two-hour radio show each Tuesday night. Herbal medicine is people's medicine, simple, safe, effective. Please bring your curiosity and health questions. Susan will enlighten, surprise, and delight you. I know most of you know Susan Weed already. She's my mom, so I know her. But for those of you who have not yet met Susan, I'd like to share, she is the author of the Wise Woman Herbal series, wonderful books on women's health and herbal medicine, including Wise Woman Herbal for the Childbearing Year, Breast Cancer Breast Health! Exclamation point, The Wise Woman Way, Healing Wise, The Wise Woman Herbal, New Menopausal Years, The Wise Woman Way, down there, sexual and reproductive health, the wise woman way. And abundantly well, seven medicines, the wise woman way. The newest book in the wise woman herbal series. So exciting. In addition to being the editor at Ashtree Publishing and writing her books, Susan is the director of the Wise Woman Center in Woodstock, New York. The Wise Woman Center is open to the public on appointment-only basis. She offers weekend workshops, intensives, and apprenticeships throughout the season. Susan is also available to you online via wisewomanmentor.com. There you can go and view her weekly e-zine. You can subscribe to receive a notification via email each week, or you could join her mentorship program. Susan also offers distance learning correspondence courses and online courses at thewisewomanschool.com. Join us there for colorful, instructive, easy video courses, including Easy Herbal Medicine with Susan Weed, Happy Knees, a Cancer Diagnosis, Adaptogens for Long Life, and Abundantly Well Companion Course, Wise Woman you can also just go to her website, susanweed.com, where you will find thousands of pages online with recipes, articles, art features, and so much more. Well, for now, let's see what Susan has to share with us this evening. Thank you, and welcome, Susan. Thank you, and welcome, Sarah Ellen. Thank you so much, Susan. How are you doing this evening? I am really enjoying the last little bit of warm evening weather. Mm. 
It has well, been, it has been raining in a kind of misty, gentle way. Um, yesterday, it was raining so hard, I went across the bridge, went for my uh, lymphedema treatment all the way across the Hudson River, across the Kingsford Rankliffe Bridge. And it was raining so hard, it was like the whole world had turned into water. The bridge was water, the sky was water, the river was water, there was nothing but water. But today, today it was more gentle mist coming down. I keep kind of saying to myself, now go outside and do all that transplanting you want to do. And myself Mm -hmm. keeps saying, no, I'm sorry, I'm really involved in writing this new correspondence course. Mm. I felt like that was such a big reveal last week. I've been thinking about that. Like herbal medicine is people medicine. Is that what you said it was called? Sharing people's medicine. Oh, I love that. Wow. And it's going to be 26 different lessons? 20, 26 projects. Wow. There, there aren't any lessons. There aren't any teachers. There aren't any grades. There aren't any classrooms. Oh, I love it. Love that. There really aren't, and that's one of the really motivating factors for me in doing this is to be very clear that there aren't any right ways to do it. The right way to do it is what the plant tells you, what your body tells you. What you tell you, the right way to do it is what's happening right now. Wow, that's such a gift. Just to know that is so beautiful. And to me, that's really like the essence of people's medicine. Is that in order to get a certificate, you have to agree to the right answers. Mm. And then when the right answers aren't right, all you're left with are wrong answers. But if there aren't any right answers, then there also aren't any wrong answers. Hmm. So I'm just finishing. I'm um, editing the last two projects. And um, have already um, put some of it out into proofreading hands. And have um, made inviting gestures to Betsy, who usually edits my books, if she wants to have a hand in it. Mm-hmm. So what's been up with you? Oh, uh, well, we I enjoyed, too, the last bit, at least for the moment, of um, warm weather and the rain has been falling here all day. So I really just was extra grateful for that and decided to plant. I'm trying winter rye this year and the beds that I intend for gardening next year for food to see how that goes to like kind of close wow. the space. Wow, 
Yeah, so we'll see. The goats, the goats will be very pleased by that. Yes, yes, because they will be delighting in it and helping me take it down. And, yeah, I'm so excited to be engaging in that way. I feel like this year is the first time I have engaged with my spring gardening in the fall when I should be engaging, really, to be preparing and having my relationship with the soil. So that has been feeling really good this year. And then um, we did have some trees tended to, um, you know, and had branches cut and removed. So we have firewood from them. And we also have a lot of mulch, wood chips that I've been moving around to kind of bed down around other spaces and creating like wildflower areas in different parts of the yard. So thanks to some of your gifts from the seeds and things, I've got new wildflowers to plant. Um, I'm excited about different types of echinacea that I ordered. Um, beyond, oh, wow. I just, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got the angustifolia, of course, but then also there was one that, that was – Name about Tennessee, like Tennessee something, and it's supposed to be Tennessee somewhat rare. Yes, yeah, Tennessee. Yeah. Right, and there's also Pallida. I'm not sure if I got that one or not. Um, the, is it yellow? The Pallida is white. Okay, I got a yellow one. Ooh. Um, but it's black-eyed or brown-eyed Susan. It's um, it is. It's yeah. really, actually, and black eyed Susan are basically the same thing. Right, right. That's what I, I, I remember you, I think, talked about it a couple weeks ago, or maybe it was last week. I've been funny. But, yeah, so I've just been in the garden and trying to really, like, experience the fall planting season mm. this year. Yeah. Mm. And make it a costume, getting, getting ready for that. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yes, somebody kind of tongue in cheek said to me, Oh, do you have special duties next Monday? <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, and I didn't say, Well, you know, anyway, yes, because it is a cross quarter day, Halloween, and those before me believed that the wheel of the year turned in part because of our efforts. Mm-hmm. And that our celebration of each turn of the season was part of the harmony of life. Mm. Yeah, such a beautiful dance we're invited to be in. Yes, and so in in that way, we all have that responsibility. You know, not that we have to do anything special, other than acknowledge mm. and. Um, I would say maybe just give ourselves the right to ease into the change. 
there is that about us that always bristles at the change. And so it's easy to be dissatisfied. You still there? I'm here, yeah. Just listening okay. to the system. I'm, I'm just feeling that really deep, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, tonight, our guest, hopefully we'll be talking a lot more about that. If there's a queen witch, it's Zhuzhana Budapest. And Zhuzhana Budapest is on tonight, and I am always so excited one of the very first kind of public things I did was working with a group of women to establish the Woodstock Women's Center. And at the Woodstock Women's Center, we made it our goal to invite all of the women that we wanted to meet and to know and to hear from. And one of them was Jujana. And Jujana came to Pop House and told us about being a witch and what it was to be a witch. And at the end of her talk, she said, anyone who wants to be a witch, stand up here in front of me and myself and two other women out of that whole packed room were the only ones who stood in front of her. And she wrapped a red string around my waist, around each one of our waists, three times. And I repeated after her, I am a witch. I am a witch. I am a witch. Mm-hmm. Which is the European term for shaman, which is a Siberian word, which means woman with drum. We could read that as woman with power. Max Dashu has a really excellent um, presentation on the images of that. The strega, the witches, the women of power, the shamans. When you say that, yes. So we we come to the time when we have the opportunity to um, stand where the veil is the thinnest. And to listen for the words of the ancestors, to listen for the dreams from the ancient ones. And that's, of course, part of being a witch, too, isn't it? To be Mm -hmm. alert, to be alert to the charms of life, to be open to the dreams that show the way. Oh, yeah. You know, I asked Gene Houston once, how how you could tell the difference between, like, things that were really, like, showing the way and things that were just, like, you know, craziness, let's put it that way. And she said, if what you're being asked to do doesn't hurt yourself or others, you can safely follow it. I thought that was such a comforting answer. Yes. 
Oh, I so agree. Yeah. If you're telling your whole congregation to drink, you know, poison Kool-Aid, you're probably not hearing from the right sources. Mm. Right? If what you're hearing is you should be paranoid and people are out to get you, you're probably not listening to the right advice. Yeah. Right. And sometimes it can just be like, um, like little, like, nudges or fun guides. Do you remember when I told you that? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. I told you once that I had a dream about you and you were standing in my great-grandmother's house and you were in her bedroom and I was standing behind you and you were in her mirror and you were, like, I could see you and her in the mirror and you were combing your hair. And this, it turns out, I didn't know at the time I had the dream, but after my goats had the babies, this is the same great-grandmother that used to milk goats. So, of course, you were in her house and you were I was standing there, and you were showing me something in a special place because I just, yeah, so the dreams are so important and so, so charming. Like, yeah, it's so fun to tune in that way. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Uh-huh. Uh, well, stick with us until 9 o'clock. I'll come back at 9 o'clock. That's East Coast time. And you'll be able to hear what Jujana Budapest has to say to us tonight. And meanwhile, do we have any questions? Um, so we have one hand that has been raised by pressing one. Yeah, I see lots of people on the lines, and I'll let everyone know that if you've got a question or want to speak live with Susan about something this evening, press one so that we can see our hands go up in the queue. Um, we will go first to our hand raised from the 845 area code. From the 845, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This Hi. This is <laughs> I'm sorry, you kind of cut out. I, tell me again who it is. Uh, I am anonymous tonight, but you know who Anonymous. I am. Oh, wonderful. All right. That's why I couldn't quite get it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, I am the one. I wasn't asking you to identify yourself. I simply thought that you had, and I hadn't heard. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, I have, you know, my heart condition, and you helped me through quite a few years with the herbal remedies. Uh, while I was trying to take medication, it didn't work, and then I stopped medication, and then. My blood pressure went up, and then I took medication. I am taking very little medication now, um, metoprolol, um, the minimal amount cut into two. And uh, I am dizzy. I am weak. Uh, I am breathing heavily. Um, I am doing intermittent fasting to lose some weight, and uh, apparently it helps. Um, I'm eating everything as the usual. I'm not on a diet, but I don't eat for 14 hours, and I think that it's probably good for me. I'm losing like half a pound per week, uh, and I'm content that I don't have to diet. But the problem is my blood pressure is going up. I am taking the motherwort, the hawthorn, the tinctures, the 
Now, the teas, nettles, oats, straw, hibiscus, and comfrey that you told me. And I am weak, and especially after I take a little walk, I am exhausted, and my blood pressure goes up as if I climbed the Everest. And all I did is going up and down the ramp at the post office. I can't go uh, the stairs because that really hurts at the end, not as I do it. The lower back, the hip, sometimes a knee. I also have the unfortunate empathetic capacity of feeling other people's pains, and now it's a very heavy load on me. And I never know who is what. Somehow I don't know why I end up knowing because they tell me, but I'm not trying to find out because it doesn't have any effect on my capacity to separate from people's pain. So I drink a lot of ginger tea lately for breakfast, and I mix it with mint. I... I don't know if that says something about my disease. It's not something you told me, but I have an extraordinary attraction to ginger tea and ginger pickle. I think that's absolutely fine. Ginger's lovely. Yeah, I love it very much, yeah. But I'm a weekly, and uh, today the nurse came from, uh, by the way, thank you for the the hospice services that... Um, really uh, brought some people into my aloneness and uh, it is positive but it really does not affect nothing changed for the better yet on the contrary the blood pressure is going up so this morning it was usually 130 140 and when she came and we talked for an hour it went to 157, and besides talking, I didn't do anything else, and she's a lovely person. You have any idea on my condition? And I am 80, of course. Mm-hmm. Well, first I was going to ask you if if you have any idea what is going on. Um, I have a very uh, strong desire to live to 120, not because I want to make an impression, but because many things that I wanted in my life did not happen yet, and I have a need to grasp them. Um, That's one thing. The other thing is I see I am like on alarm uh, all my life, my senses were hyper, hyper, like, I don't want to call it PTSD, but it is something like that, because I was born in the war and, and and extraordinary noise and murder and starvation and all the bad things. Uh, so I lived with being on alert. The good part of it is that I did help people who were on alert and I could be beneficial with whatever I knew how to do. I I worked with Holocaust survivors with 9-11 recovery program with people who came for Feldenkrais, uh, 
And uh, I love to help, and I also don't have my empathy cannot separate. I have, I'm totally unable to to be myself in a crowd. I soak in everything. I do not have an intimate relationship since I divorced. That's one of the reasons. Are you still there? I'm not hearing you. I'm totally here. I'm just oh, like, okay. That's the story. There was such a lot of background noise, and it suddenly um, cut out. You know, really what I think that we both see is that there's a fork in the road. And one path along that road continues along the way you have been, which is the burden bearer. Yeah. You are the sin eater. You are the the scapegoat in its original sense, which is the one who... Um, takes that pain in and takes it out into the desert where it can't hurt the rest. Or, and if you follow that path, it will be the end of you. Or you can choose to continue your life by shutting the door on that. I tried all my life to find ways to do that. Well... Facing death might be the way that allows you to do it if you want to. It's a fork in the road. There's no bad choice. I don't feel I have a choice. I want very much I understand. And whenever we find ourselves in a place where we say we don't have a choice, we know, uh uh-oh. Yeah. Uh Uh-oh. I think I don't have a choice. Uh Uh-oh. What is my limiting belief here? And the fact of the matter is that these kinds of decisions do not come from effort. They come from an instantaneous reversal. Mm -hmm. They're like an off-on switch. Mm -hmm. And you haven't wanted to turn it off. I understand. Because when it goes off, it's off and you're alone. It's like when I said, are you still there? Because the background noise stopped. Uh, uh, I I want to be able to be alone and to be together like most, I mean, normal people can be happy by themselves and can be happy with company without... Excuse me, most normal people are not happy by themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. Most yeah. normal most normal people are spending time in front of the screen. Most normal people think characters they see on that screen are actual friends of theirs. Now you you have chosen a very 
beautiful and worthwhile path of doing a particular thing. And as I said, all this is is a fork in the road. You can turn that switch and say, that's the end. I celebrate 80 years, 70 years, 60 years, however many years you feel you've given to this. We celebrate that and we say, with grief and with honor, it's come to an end. I am not an empath anymore. I give that skill up. I return it to the universal homeless for someone else to use. It sounds wonderful. Uh, I did all kinds of prayers in that direction. Uh, yeah, it's not a prayer. It's a decision. When you wake up tomorrow, yeah, make that decision. And I have wake up. You wake up tomorrow and you say, "Thank goodness, I am not a cockroach." Oh my goodness, wouldn't it be horrible to wake up and be a cockroach? But no, instead, I am that person who has no empathy. What will this be like? I, 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 I don't want to have to be without empathy. Uh-huh. I am I said, it's, you know, it's like the alcoholic saying, I just want to have, drink socially. Right now, you can't. At some point in the future, it might be. That that I'll be in balance about knowing, having balance. balance. The balance now is none. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry, but that's the balance. Yes, I am out If there had been alternations throughout, then that balance would not be so severe. But as I said, we're celebrating what? 60, 70, 80 years of your following a particular path. And it's a beautiful path and a a deserving path and a path that has been very, very good for a lot of people. But right now, it's a path that leads to your death. Right. I don't want to die. And so you have to decide... If that's okay, and it can be okay, there's nothing wrong with saying, yeah, okay, that's that's what I've done in this life, next. No, uh, next I want to play the piano. All right then, so then if you want to stay in this body and learn to play the piano, <laughs> your only choice is for it to be 100% for you. Yeah. Yeah, I want some time. You want you want it to be you. The, you don't get any more sharing, not any. Oh. I do. If you want to stick around, but you don't have to want that. I do pray for people, and I like doing that, but I don't want to take the burden of their emotional and physical suffering on me. And I know that there is... I don't. What I, I'm going to invite you to do is to 
do something more symbolic and more general. Okay. Can you can you tolerate a candle burning for a short while? Yes. All right. I would like you to choose a candle. Okay. And generally, a small candle is better than a large one. Pillar candles look really nice, but they have to burn for hours to really burn well. And this can be very brief. I want you each evening to light that candle and to imagine that all of the cares and all of the problems of everyone you've met that day are being blown out when you blow the flame out. And that's all you have to do all day long. Light the candle, blow it out, blow out everybody's problems and all that samsara. We know it's going to, samsara is going to go on and on and on. How many candles do I need a day to do that all day long? (laughs) Everybody is in one candle. Everyone is in one small candle and one big poof. Oh, and then I lit that up again when another problem comes and... No, 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 no. Those problems just get put in a basket. Uh And once a day you empty the whole basket into that candle flame. And you don't, and again, I don't want you to be thinking about it. I just want you to say, when that problem comes up, you say, that'll go in the candle tonight and let it keep going. You know, there have been three major extinctions, three or four major extinction events on this planet where like 98% of all life was wiped out. And there's one organism that has survived, multicellular organism, one multicellular organism that has survived all of those extinctions and is still hanging out today, and that's the sponge, the sea sponge. And so... I thought it behooved me to see how the sponge gets along in life. What the sponge does is it takes it all in and it spits it all back out again as fast as it can, knowing that only the things that nourish it are staying. You don't have to carry them around. They come into you and they go out of you. And once every 24 hours, you will light a flame and you will blow it out. And if any of those things need a little extra puff to go out of you, they will be puffed out of you. And that puff will carry your goodwill, your love, and your blessings. Amen. Blessed be Well, Bodhisattva, it is okay to choose for yourself if you wish to learn to play the piano. Yes. I want that very much. I think I'm getting a musician from uh, the music department of the hospice services to do that together. Yes. Idea. Yeah, very much. Yes, when I was in the hospital, I said, give me music therapy. And they had music therapy. I thought, right. Yes. 
Yeah. They have music therapy, but they they bring a person to play music for you, and I. I oh well, not quite what you had in mind. I <laughs> yeah, I want to play. You want to play, right? Do you have a yeah. piano? Yeah. You do have a piano. Uh, I had a wonderful piano keyboard. I gave it to my grandson, and he's now at Ithaca. He's a musician, and uh, he is, he's using it to great effect and composing. Oh, right. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Yes, I'm very happy. Me very too. Happy. Well, I'm so glad that you called. I don't know if you heard the very beginning of the show, but Sarah Ellen and I were talking about dreams. And I didn't actually have a dream about you, but I had a very strong image of you as I was hanging out with the goats. And I suddenly was just hearing your voice and thinking, oh, it's been a while since I've heard her voice. Yeah, I think I had a dream of you, too, but it was quite a while ago, and I don't remember. But you are on my mind, because the herbs are you in my home. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. (sighs) Dream blessings. Good night. Thank you. Wow, I, wow, she is such, so, so, oh, I love her. And I, too, thought of her this week so vividly. I even said her name, um, and she wants to be anonymous, but um, in the past she's identified herself and in my head while I was doing laundry. And sure enough, wow, it had been a while, and I'm so glad we heard from her. Yeah, it was beautiful. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll remind everyone listening that if you have a question for Susan this evening, you need to press one so that we can see your hand go up in the queue. Um, I see a hand has just been raised from the 732 area code. From the 732, you are live with Susan. Hello, Susan. Green blessings. I hope things are well with you and yours. Thank this you. And the same to you. Thank you. This is Ruth. A week ago, I had gone to uh, ear in ENT, and um, he took wax out of my ear and said that there's a hole in my eardrum. So my daughter, Angel, called and spoke with you uh, last week, and she said you recommended putting uh, hot cabbage or uh, hot onion on my ear. And um, I've been doing that with the cabbage. Uh, I was wondering, is the onion better or doesn't matter? How's your, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, no pain, really. Occasionally I can feel something, but no pain, really. Mm-hmm. So I would say that the... Cabbage has had a good effect. Oh, great. 
and that you probably don't need to do anything further. Shall I just continue putting the cabbage on? Or? I'm not sure why. Oh, okay. Just saying that you're fine, yes? Well, fundamentally, yes. There you go. So, (laughs) (laughs) Seb, it's not like putting the cabbage leaf on there is going to prevent anything. Okay. So, it, you know, it calms down swelling and pain. And it sounds like it's had that effect. Of course, I didn't talk to you directly, so I could have gotten it wrong. No, you spoke with my daughter, Angel, and she said that what you advised was a hot cabbage or a hot onion. I'm not talking about what I said. I'm talking about what she said that I got wrong. Oh, okay. Well, Because I wasn't able to hear from you directly, so perhaps I... What she told me, perhaps I misinterpreted because it wasn't you who was there to correct me or to see to it that I really understood. Yes, my understanding, my understanding was that there was pain and inflammation. And those common things are used to quell pain and inflammation, and if that has happened, then there's no need to continue. I I think she probably represented me reasonably well. Um, Thank you for your information. Good. So, so as I said, the, the cabbage has done its work. Okay, great. Right? There was pain and inflammation. There is no longer. Time to stop the cabbage. Is there any I don't, po- I don't I don't think it will come back. Okay. Do you think there's any potentiality of uh, healing a, a puncture in an eardrum? No. Yeah, that's what I thought. It's not new. It's an old wound. Yeah. Okay, well... Thank you for your uh, consideration, and thank you for speaking with her, although it wasn't myself. You're uh, welcome. Green <laughs> blessings. Thanks for your call and keeping us in the loop. Much appreciated. Good night. Green blessings. Green blessings. All right. And I remind everyone listening, if you've got a question for Susan this evening, uh, please press 1 so that we can see our hands go up in the queue. I don't see any hands. Oh, there we go. I see one from the 541 has been raised. From the 541, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. Uh, so glad I was able to jump in tonight. Um, I wanted to call because my 6-year-old daughter um, had a little accident uh, jumping around and landed um, on her. No leg. more monkeys so jumping on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those like I, I turned around for like 
one minute and of course the goats were very good justine and i were making um some videos for one of my courses and as soon as both of us were really intent on it the goats would tippy toe around to the herb garden and justine would say wait a second it's really quiet and we'd go ah the goats are in the garden <laughs> <laughs> yeah yep they wait for that that it's not even a minute it's that one second yeah but you're not paying attention yeah so, which part of herself did she injure? Um, what I think happened was she came down on it, and it, um, for some reason, it's really hard for me to describe. It's like if you landed kind is. of on the top of the toes. It. She came down on her toes. Yeah, so I see bruising, like, on the outer. So, have you put arnica ankle. on it I don't have arnica. Yeah, I did not do that. You must have arnica. You must get arnica. Get arnica. You have a child. You must have arnica. (laughs) When Monica Jean was young, we had arnica in the car. We had arnica in every room of the house. We had arnica in our pockets. Yes. I have made it through some pretty heavy duty things with the help of Arnica and especially the homeopathic Arnica gel. Now, it is an herb and you can get Arnica oil, but of course it has all the drawbacks of oil, which is greasy, sticky, gets on everything, whereas the homeopathic gel does not. And I really have literally um, seen it on my own body. I walked into a door frame one night in the middle of the night, and by the time I got to the bathroom, I had like a big black and blue goose egg on my eyebrow. And I started putting an arnica gel on it, and I put it on like you know, every five or ten minutes. And by the morning, there was hardly any swelling at all. Wow. But you got to get in there and get on it as soon as possible, which is why we kept it in our pockets and all around us. So get a tube or two or three or four of Arnica gel if you have a child who likes to physically express themselves and is learning about the boundaries of matter. Yeah, that's a good Meanwhile, mm-hmm. plantain, yarrow, comfrey, honey, what have you done? Yeah, comfrey. Um, I've Yay. I've been her foot in comfrey infusion. Oh, um, does she like that? Getting, at first, yes, and she could notice a, it was helping, like, right away. Um, okay. She's a little tired of it now, um, so I did switch to comfrey oil. Nice. Nice. Yeah, and she's been on the couch a lot the last few days. <laughs> you know, she's but she's ready. She's moving around a bit more, able to put some weight on it. Um, so mm-hmm. it is improving. Is yeah. there is there an ace bandage or some kind of compression? Yeah, we um, at least the first two days she had it wrapped up quite a bit, and we did ice and elevating it. Um, and again, depending on how yeah. severely bruised it is, you'll know how long to carry those things out. Yeah. My take on ice and compression is 
continue for at least twice as long as you think you should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. So it's hard to overdo it. Right. I mean, you could, like, overdo it, like, by putting ice on for two hours and, like, freezing the cells. That would be overdoing it. But, mm-hmm. you know, if you continue to do it for more days, that wouldn't be overdoing it. Um, yeah, I mean, I even considered if we need to immobilize it, but um, how swollen is it? That. It's not that. It's actually almost looks normal at this stage. Oh, good. But there is some discoloring and some swelling. Um, mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's, it's tender. Like what, I can't. What I've been told is that what is most likely to lead to a chronic problem is getting back on it too soon yeah. and not doing enough rest, ice, and compression. Yeah. Yeah. So true. annoying as it is. Yeah. Um, and yeah. especially <laughs> if she wants to be mobile and hop around a little, then, then I, I think it makes the compression more important. Right. Yeah. In the- yeah. Resting times. Yeah, we will do that. Um, oh, I'll, good. I'll, I'll tell her you said so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, congratulations on your experiments yeah. with solidity. Yeah. Yeah. And you know the meditation that I use is that, in fact, it's all space. Yeah. So you could talk her through that, being space, right. being spacious, everything else being spacious, and right back to the point where she smacked her foot, and let that be space, let that be spacious, and see what happens. Cool. We'll do that. All right. Thanks for your right, call. Susan. Three Thank blessings. Good night. Okay, good night. Bye-bye. All right, and I'll remind everyone listening, if you've got a question for Susan this evening, please press 1 so that we can see your hand in the queue. Um, I do not see any hands at this time. We do have an email question. Um, What would you like to do, Susan? Oh, let's do the email question. I like that a lot. All right. Um, Just a minute to pull it up here. Okay. Hi, Susan. I am looking for your knowledge on digging roots and preparing tinctures. When is the window for harvest of roots? Do I need to wait for frost or only when the plant dies back? This will be my first time making fresh root remedies, and I'm including echinacea, yellow dock, and teasel. Any other advice you have about these three plants in particular would be appreciated. Also, can I replant parts of the roots of any of these plants, echinacea, yellow dock, or teasel, like I would if I was working with comfrey? Thank you and green blessings. There isn't any right way to do it. What's going on right now is that there's less and less light. And the average temperature is dropping. The nighttime temperature is definitely dropping. 
And that is signaling to the plants to change what they're doing. The energy that has been going up into leaves and flowers and seeds now goes down into the roots. So is all that energy there once there isn't any top growth? Maybe. Is that energy different after there's been a frost? Probably. Could you make an effective remedy from the root of most perennial plants? Almost any time and get good results? Yeah, probably. So Echinacea is a perennial plant. What seems to be most important is that it's at least three years old. Older is better. The answer to will a piece of the root grow is it depends on what piece you're talking about. Most of the plants that you're talking about need a crown. They need to have the upper part of the root where you can see little places where the leaves are going to be coming out. And that part has to be planted. It doesn't have to be a whole lot of it. Thumbs worth will often be enough and you can take the rest of the root. But in many instances, if you take the crown and just plant a piece of the root, it won't grow like comfrey will. Just about any part of the root of comfrey will, of course, grow. But it's fortunately the exception to the rule. So what's fun to me about herbal medicine is experimenting. And when those kinds of questions come up for me, I say, why don't I dig some of these roots right now? And then I'll dig them again a month from now. I'll make tinctures and vinegars of them and see how they're different. You've probably heard me talk about such a similar experiment that my daughter Justine and I made. We bought burdock root at Chinatown. Big store in Chinatown. We went and we dug burdock root from near the compost pile. It was reasonably easy digging in the compost pile because it was, you know, pretty rich, deep soil there. And we went outside the road and dug some burdock, big rocks, oh my gosh, hard, hard, hard. And we um, washed up the roots, got the soil off, chopped them, kept them separate, and made those a vinegar and a tincture from each of those three roots and labeled them. And watched them and tasted them as they matured, as they got to be a week old, two weeks old, three, four, five, six weeks old. We were really there, observing and watching, shaking. And one of the most noticeable things was that the burdock roots that had grown beside the road where they really had to tough it out, it was really hard soil, lots of rocks, was that it had so much inulin in it, which is considered to be a really important healing substance. It was like, oh my gosh, thick layer of white at the bottom of both the tincture and the vinegar from the burdock, the, the really wild burdock, 
the buildings that was all right. I didn't actually cultivate it, but it was kind of like hanging out around the cultivated places by growing by the common straw. Is that some new one? It was okay, you know, it didn't make a poor shilling. But the the really cultivated root, the one that was long and straight and nice that we got in Chinatown had hardly any inulin in it at all. And those are not even questions that you asked. Right. So there's a lot of variables. How wonderful. How amazing. If we want to track down the very best way to do it and stop using the variables, then really we're on the track of pharmacy. We're looking for the active ingredient. To me, people's medicine and herbal's medicine is about spontaneity and joyousness and being more childlike so that we approach things with curiosity and make little experiments and say, well, I like this, I don't like this. Uh, look what this does, look what that does. I think I mentioned the apprentice who actually tinctured motherwort every week as the flower stalk grew up and up and up. She, of course, couldn't harvest from the same flower stalk, but there's usually such an abundance of motherwort that you can't actually, as though you were harvesting Um that way each time so she harvested the entire flower stalk um, each time and she did that over a period of I think six to eight weeks so she had numerous small tinctures frontier frontier book co-op sells really nice little jars I think they're like two to four ounce jars with good tight fitting lids to run little herbal experiments have you done anything like that Sarah Ellen? Mm, not exactly like that, no. Sounds interesting. I haven't, yeah. And with roots, do you mean specifically? No. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, like I was writing today about um, the home remedies that we make in people's medicine don't have to conform to good manufacturing process mm. because they're intended for home use. They're not intended for public use. They're not intended to be shipped. They're not intended to go far away. If there's mold, it's, we're just going to scrape the mold off. It's not going to, we don't have to recall the batch. And that actually gives us the opportunity to make more effective remedies because we're going to make them with fresher plants. Okay, so tell me your question one more time because I was looking in the queue, something funny was happening in there. So maybe I didn't hear you correctly. What was it exactly that you asked me if I was doing or if I had done? Any any kind of herbal experiments. Well, okay, so aside from roots, not with roots. I haven't, I have hardly ever dug roots myself. I've only ever bought, like, more, I've a couple times dug roots, but... Um, with regular like plant top, yes, because like you've talked about with the the timing of when to there isn't a right time to do it, but um, depending on like what time I've harvested yarrow, just even the scent of it if I've boiled it, um, and then I've been working a lot with goldenrod with um, the dog bite that I talked about like a month ago, and it 
it has been so different watching that change. Um, so, yes, I definitely do experiments. I'm going to send you, well, I guess I'm going to call it an experiment because I've never made it before, but I'm going to send you a hypericum experiment that um, really helped me out when I was um, feeling under the weather a couple weeks ago. So experiments, yes. Um, I have not had a chance to really experiment with roots, but that's what I wanted to make sure I heard I, I missed. But in general, yes, yes I love yes. experiments. Yes, we're always experimenting with the herbs and not yes. to find the best way. No. And I often no. talk about this. I often talk about the times when I have done something wrong and I've known it's been wrong and I see myself doing it and I say, wrong, 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 that's the wrong thing to do. And it actually turns out, ha, to be something I needed to see or know. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like saying to myself this week, I can't even remember exactly why, but like um, accident is the mother of all invention or something like that. <laughs> I, maybe it's necessity, but I turned it into accident. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, sometimes just it happens, happenstance, and there it is. Yeah. And that's part of seeing the charm of charm twice. Yeah, the charming moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, thank you. I'm glad I understood the question because, oh, yes, experimenting with herbs is very fun. And, and like you say, it's very hard to go wrong. Even the mold is not a big deal, and the animals certainly don't mind, and I have plenty of them to share with. <laughs> and the oils work so great with them. Um, all right. Did you? Is that the end of that question? Or um, I think so. Did, did I cover most of what she asked, or did I leave part of it out? I the only um, I think she asked about replanting part of the roots. Did I? I'm not sure. If, did you speak to that about replanting so part of echinacea? Teasel is a, teasel is a biennial in most places. There's occasional perennial teasel. And yellow dock is usually a perennial. And what other root was she going to dig? Oh, goodness. Okay, let's see. Hold on. Diesel, yellow dock. Dandelion? Echinacea. No, echinacea. So just three. Right, three that were mentioned specifically. So what, I'll repeat the answer, which is whether or not pieces of the root will grow depends on which piece of the root. And it has to be the part that's called the crown, the growing part of the root. With comfrey, it doesn't have to be. With comfrey, you can plant any part of the root and it'll grow. But with the other plants, and it's true of most roots, you have to plant or leave the actual growing part of the plant. And it doesn't have to be the whole root with the crown on it. Usually, the rule of thumb is it needs to be about a thumb's worth deep. So that's the answer. Wow, awesome. Okay, all right. Well, I do see we have two hands that have gone up in the queue. Um, 
And it looks like the first one's from the 512 area code. So from the 512, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is uh, Cece from Alpine, Texas. Hi, Cece. Thanks for coming. so nice to talk to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pregnant and uh, first child. I'm 11 and a half weeks. And I'm coming out of what I'm hoping is uh, my morning sickness phase. <laughs> um, kind of threw me for a loop in my life. <laughs> and uh, I had some depression come on, um, which it, it comes and goes like seasonally, especially during this time of year. Um, and so I'm, I'm just dealing with it by, you know, eating well, um, supporting my body with herbal infusions. And anyways, that's a little about me. The thing is, uh, two questions for you specifically. The first one is I had my heart set on uh, having like a natural birth with a midwife. And here in Alpine, our one midwife, I'm near the Big Bend area in the part of Texas uh, that's very rural. Brewster County is like, uh, it's huge, and there's not that many people. We have one hospital, and the hospital um, has been turning away women who are going to give birth because they're only open like three days a week and they'll send them all the way to El Paso, like three and a half hours away. Um, So the midwife out here doesn't feel comfortable delivering babies anymore because uh, she doesn't have a hospital to take um, a a mother to. You will actually have to have a home birth. Mm-hmm. And not a midwife-assisted home birth. And I, it's it's hard to imagine. I mean, it 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 was easy to imagine when I was reading about it, and um, then the morning sickness hit. <laughs> I'm thinking like, oh, I don't know how I would how I'm going to do this. Um, and it, it's just so well, overwhelming. How did you do the morning? Um, I, I just powered, powered through. <laughs> you powered through. That's what you will do. With every single part of it, you will power through. As Janine Parvati used to say, you two figured out on your own how to get that baby in there. You two can on your own figure out how to get it out. How old are you? 34. What kind of lifestyle do you generally live? Um, I'm. I used to be more active than I am now. Uh, so I I moved to a new town. I used to live in Central Texas, um, and I, I was much more active there. I had more of a social life, and then I moved out to Alpine, and I don't really know that many people. So it's. It's much less stressful out here. Um, 
but I will say I, I haven't been like as um, stimulated <laughs> socially or my body really physically. I invite you to find some program online that you like. There's so many free programs. Fit On is one that I know of. Uh, and it has yoga and aerobics and all kinds of, and they're all free workouts. And you set your computer up, you set your laptop up, and you do something. And you don't say, I'm new to town, I don't know anybody, there isn't any. No, because we all have access to the Internet now. I can do that. You can do that. And you will feel better about yourself the more vigorously healthy you are. And again, it is entirely up to you. You know and I know that it will be awful for you in a hospital in El Paso. You really think so? I know so. I don't think so. You will have no choice of any kind. You'll probably wind up with a C-section. Yeah, and and right now I I signed up for Medicaid, and I qualified, and um, I was going to just try and like work my way through the system and find a doctor who's open to a, a somewhat natural birth. Um, but the thing is, the hospital that where I would be able to birth. It's all the way in Midland, like two and a half hours away. So, I mean, I was wondering, what do you think about this? If I go into labor, then I'm going to jump in a car and drive two and a half hours. However, you did give me kind of a devious idea, which is that you can pretend that you are going along with all of this. And then, oops, unexpectedly give birth at home. Oh, I like that. Gee, I didn't realize that I was that far along. And when I went to get in the car, I was already clowning. Oh, my gosh. I suspect that you will have a fairly uneventful birth. And should there be an event, is there someone to drive you? Good. Then you can lay in the back seat with your legs up. We have done it with animals. I simply look at them and I say, stop having labor contractions now. And your body does. <laughs> it just stops. It says, oh, okay, I got it, got it. Can't do anything right now. And you put your legs up in the car and off you go for however long it takes. Mm-hmm. And again, you sound like someone who's in touch with herself and should either by yourself or with whatever help you decide you want be able to tell if your baby is healthy. Mm-hmm. So 12 weeks is really early on. It gets a lot harder. Even if the nausea is gone, 
the rest of it's no cakewalk. But you will do it. You know, that's why Chinese women used to bind their feet. It was symbolic to them of saying, I am able to go through the pain of childbirth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think um, an option for me, I, I would like to go to the prenatal appointments. I don't necessarily need an ultrasound, but I would feel somewhat uh, somewhat better if, like, if someone told me, yes, I can hear the heartbeat. <laughs> yes, <it's, laughs> the baby is, in fact, growing in the uterus. Um, the person who could drive the car, do they have pretty good hearing? Yes. Okay. As soon as there is an audible heartbeat, their ear against your belly can hear it. How can you tell the difference? Because I I can feel my heartbeat. Your heartbeat is going thump 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 thump, and the baby's heartbeat is going thump 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 thump. Faster. Okay. Much faster. Okay. The part of you that wants to be told your baby's okay because somebody else can hear it is the part of you that will let them do anything to you in the hospital. Mm. Well, I have one other specific thing I wanted to ask you. Um, when I, uh, in the beginning, I didn't think I was pregnant because I could feel my cervix and, um, I thought, well, at any time I'm going to start my period because my cervix is all the way down here and I just never started my period. (laughs) And then eventually I'm like, I can't I I can't believe this. I mean, I obviously can believe this, but um I took the pregnancy test and I was pregnant. And uh you know, I, I didn't really uh mess with it. But I, I checked it a couple of weeks later, maybe a month, um and it was still I could still feel my cervix um low. Low meaning like I stick my finger in and I feel it right there. It's like a like a tube of lipstick or something. Um, it's really sticking out. And I recently felt it again and it's still like that. And it feels like it's sticking out more, like an inch. So Is that you normal? Say, when you say sticking out, do you mean sticking out from between your labia? Nope. Um, it's like I stick my finger into my vagina and, oh, about a 
first knuckle, index. second knuckle? Uh, first, uh, a little past first knuckle, probably. Yes, that's fine. Okay. And so my thing was like, um, is my uterus sitting low? And I know um, I was a, a dancer. Sitting low so means your pelvic floor muscles are not intoned, right? Right. Right. So start doing your kegels. Get yourself in tone. I, I do. You need yeah, those pelvic floor kegels, muscles to be like in tone for the birth. You need them to be in tone for the pregnancy so that you can carry this child. Because you are mm-hmm. literally carrying that child on your pelvic floor. Well, um, I, I was a dancer for many years, and I, I would train, like, every day. And I was told that I have a shallow hip socket, and I had a lot of weird poppings and things. Um, and, and I would try not to overdo it because I honestly thought, like, I, I was uh, a little too um, limber down there. And uh, sometimes I'd be dancing, and my leg would kind of, like, halfway – it sounds crazy, but, like, come out of socket and, like, pop back in really fast. Um, and so when I stopped dancing, I started having to, like, pee more. And uh, I, I had an office job for about a year where I was sitting in a chair more often. And I I started to feel this thing, like, maybe my psoas muscle had tensed up or something and, and like, pulled something in my pelvis like out of alignment and uh, I feel like that might have something to do with it and I can do kegels but I, I feel like it's kind of beyond that point do you think seeing a chiropractor well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, when you thought that something was like pulled out of shape what help did you get I'm sorry could you repeat that um, you said you thought that something was pulled out of shape, like your psoas muscle or something. And at that point, what help did you receive? Uh, none besides just me uh, gently stretching and trying to work it out. Okay. So at this point... What kind of help do you think would be best? Um, I I feel like I like that Maya abdominal massage. Um, I'd have to travel to find a practitioner, but um, I've read that it's okay, like in the second and third trimesters. I think that might help. I think. A knowledgeable, trustworthy chiropractor might be able to help, and uh, like some Feldenkrais exercises. Is there an acupuncturist in your area? Not that I know of. Um, Yeah. It's difficult. 
for us as women. To be in a situation which has happened to millions and millions and millions of other women, and yet we feel totally alone. Like it's never happened to anyone else, and like we don't know the first thing about it. Your right is to have been brought up among women who were pregnant and who were giving birth and who talked about it and for whom it was a natural and normal occurrence. But you have, pretty much as most of us have, been denied that. Uh, That started way back, way back with my own grandmother who was forced into the hospital to have her last child, my mother, where she died after having had four children previously at home, basically on her own. It is certainly true that there can be situations in which medical intervention is important. But they're generally pretty darn obvious. When my sister decided that she wanted to um, do a free birth, a real home birth, not a midwife-assisted home birth, we got a midwife's manual and read that midwife's manual and prepared ourselves. so that we would know what to look for, what was a reasonable thing if it happened, what was not a reasonable thing. Since neither of us had the privilege of having that as part of our life, women who were pregnant and giving birth so that we could learn from that firsthand, she, of course, went on to be a midwife because that experience was so moving to her that she wanted to at least, you know, Share a taste of it with women. Mm -hmm. I hear you. Yeah, and I think there's another caller, so I'm going to say green blessings and good night. Good night, Susan. Thank you. Green blessings. All right. And we do have one caller with their hand raised from the 585 area code. From the 585, you are live with Susan. Hi, Susan. This is Barbara. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Oh, I just want to breathe and say this has been such a lovely woman's circle. It's a new life to the woman who has lived a long life. I'm just really enjoying tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So true, isn't it? The whole spiral of life here. Yes, yes. And I want to say thank you. I know we don't have a lot of time. I want to say thank you. I did your Healthy Immune System uh, Teachable WiseWomanSchool.com course for free. Um, a family member um, a few weeks ago tested positive and, um, you know, for corona, and we were living in the same home. I didn't get it. Um, and I was very grateful to have these, uh, many of the things I knew, but it was, and I just so grateful how you laid it out, like the simple short one minute, 30 to eight seconds, get out in the sun, like just the shortness of them. 
and I cooked in my kitchen. I had the garlic. I, I watched the videos, and I played them. <laughs> it was just fun. I really appreciate the, the format, how you laid it out, the information. So, yay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Thanks. Justine. And I were just kind of winking at each other about how after all of these years of doing it, that we really had this format down. Ah, I, it was just wonderful. And love the garlic. I had been cutting my garlic, and I thought, this is so much easier. Um, you did say something about essential oils, not to use them. And I, I appreciate that, and I'm experimenting with essential oils. I've used them in the past. Um, internally, when I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, I didn't want to stay on antibiotics, and I started to use them. And I got to the point where I thought, eh, I, these might not be helping, and they might even be hurting me, so I stopped. But in this case, I wondered, um, I had been using them in the home as a, in diffusing them to kill, you know, um, and I wondered what your thoughts are about that, or do you feel that that is even um, a stressor on the immune system, as you said? So, I want to start here. Okay. Your cells, every cell in your body is protected by what? Love. I'm sorry? I said love. You look at a cell in the body. It has a membrane around it. And that membrane is the protection of the cell. It defines the cell. And that membrane is a double lipid layer. Mm-hmm. That means basically what protects your cell is fat. If you have ever spilled an essential oil on a finished table... Mm. or had it come in contact with plastic, you will see that essential oils melt fat. They actually destroy it. In any way that essential oils come in contact with ourselves, but especially when we breathe them, they wreak havoc with every cell mm-hmm. in our body, go into the cells, destroy the mitochondria, which are one of the key players in the immune system. Mm. And basically destroy your good immune health. Okay. Would you atomize antibiotics into the air of your home? No. That's what you're doing. Mm, Okay. In fact, I consider antibiotics safer than essential oils. No. Okay. Wow. Okay. They're safer. They are both drugs. But in one case, we have a drug in which we know the dosage. In another case, we have a drug in which we don't know the dosage. Mm. Which would you say is safer? Right. Dosage. Yeah. We know the exact dosage and the exact time frame for antibiotics, and you wouldn't use antibiotics day after day after day, but you would do that with essential oils. Leading to antibiotic resistant bacteria. Because mm. essential oils are anti- antibiotics, aren't they? Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> then they need to be treated like antibiotics. If you're going to use them at all, you use them for the shortest amount of time until you have symptom remission and then stop. Mm. But personally, I would rather use antibiotics and essential oils. 
Mm. Because antibiotics, when all is said and done, are trying to do the planet. One of the largest manufacturers of essential oils has paid millions and millions of dollars in fines for mm. basically ripping off the planet. And what they say is, you know, it's cheaper to pay the fines than it is to harvest ethically. Wow. Yeah, a one-ounce bottle of lavender, which is an essential oil in which there is very little plant material, that one-ounce bottle contains at least a 1,000 pounds of lavender. Wow. 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 Think about the resources you are using when you use essential oils. An ounce of rose oil is something more like 10,000 pounds of roses. Mm, that's really sad. It's greedy. They're, they're you know, a greedy mm-hmm. way, a greedy way to convince people that drugs are somehow herbs. Mm. I see. That's if, somebody else, if somebody else has to make it for you and you have to buy it, it ain't an herb. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Well, thank you for doing this. And I appreciated the OSHA, OSHA, OSHA root information. OSHA root, yes. Yeah. And, I of course, in my book, Abundantly does. Well, uh, Seven Medicines, mm-hmm. um, okay. I talk about um, essential oils, and I actually cite the sources for all of these places that I'm all of these studies that I'm talking about, if you actually want to check it out and see what essential oils have been shown to do in the human okay. body. Okay. Yeah, I don't have that book, and I will, I will definitely check it out. Thank you. You're Thank welcome. Thank you. The OSHA root, I, I just want to say the OSHA root was helpful for, and reassuring to learn what you said about that. I had a friend who passed away in the hospital and went in for the reasons you, you said. You know, sometimes people are struggling to breathe. And you, you, it just was, when I was mm. going through this, it was re- reassuring for me to have the tincture, you know. So. Yes, yes. Who passed away in the hospital from COVID. You know, there's so much secrecy around, but I didn't even know she died until six months later. And I'm still oh, heartbroken. And, yeah, I, she, I saw her in the summer before she died, and she had... She was not well, and she wouldn't wouldn't share what was going on. And um, I, you know, I know that she was struggling to. The only thing I know is she was struggling to breathe when she went in, and she didn't want to be respirated. And she was, and they intubated her, and she passed. So, um, anyway, having known her personally and hearing all the other stories, I I will just tell you, I didn't open it, but it's sitting there, and it, it was very reassuring. So, just, just so much great, so much gratitude. Thank you. You're welcome. Green blessings. Green blessings. Bye now. Jujana Budapest is the author of the acclaimed Holy Book of Women's Mysteries, published in 1989. And it was published originally in 1975 as this feminist book of lights and shadows. That's the one I got. This book served as the first hands-on guide to lead women into their own spiritual and goddess heritage. Thank you, Shushana. The Holy Book of Women's Mysteries contains just about everything you need to know and then some for actualizing a goddess-centered lifestyle. 
right now, Jujana wants women to know more about themselves, women's spirituality, and the goddess movement. Jujana Z. Budapest was born in Hungary in 1946 years before me and immigrated to the United States in 1959. She grew up respecting and appreciating Mother Nature. Following her family's spiritual tradition, she ultimately started the women's spirituality movement and founded the Susan B. Anthony Coven Number 1, the first feminist witches coven, which became the role model for thousands of other spiritual groups that were born and spread across this nation. Z has led rituals, lectured, taught classes, given workshops, written articles tirelessly, and published in hundreds and hundreds of women's newspapers across the country. She's powerfully influenced many of the future teachers and writers about the goddess. And she wants to talk about the importance of sister Good and mother power take back the magic, the mirror, and the media. I love you, Juzana. All right. I'm actually trying to add Juzana to the call. Um, I don't see her in the queue. Give me just a moment. Um, let me dial her in again. All right, I'm going straight to her voicemail, so I'm going to give it a third try. Maybe third time will be the charm here. Hello. Ah, there she is. She missed a beautiful introduction where I told everyone how much I adore you and love you and how important you are to me. My darling, I came home, I had something to eat, lay down and watch TV, and I didn't hear any phone. I, I should have... uh, so, well, here we are. We've just gotten you on the line to talk about the importance of sisterhood and mother power. Yes, yes, that's Yes. What a what an important topic. Please tell us what do you mean by mother Well let me just make it so that I can actually hear myself a few T V so I am looking at the uh, you know, I watch a lot of shows, a lot of shows on the on the T V book. And um what they are projecting to us is internalized. And they are not made conscious, but subconsciously we assume it. And what I see is an extreme, uh, just never-ending stream of dead female bodies. It's every crime show, and there are more than a major Ellen, can you hear her? It's really breaking up badly for me. Oh my God. Um, I think that might be Z's line. If you maybe could go to a different spot, Giovanna. Okay. Um, you were not being able to hear you. Okay, okay. good. Um, let's, let's try this one. If I go here into my office, is it any better? Yes, it's a little better there. 
right, in, right into my passion here. Cause okay, good. <laughs> okay, well, Great. So, uh, one thing they corrected since I was an activist when I showed up in the studios and uh, complained that where well, are the female characters, it's men making crowns and other mistakes. But now men still making crowns, and it's all women who get killed. And it's only the boyfriends or the husbands who do the killings of the intimate people. And what it suggests to me is that heterosexuality became toxic and very dangerous. And that concerns me because humanity depends on heterosexuality to continue. So uh, being an Aquarian, like Susan, I am very much um, empowered by my birth being an Aquarian to my humanity. Humanity is my job. Plus, uh, my mother and grandmother, etc. So, and it doesn't matter what nationality you are, we live on this planet, and we have, uh, we have humanity that is a, a very interesting species. We don't really know where all of the parts come from, but we have discovered now a lot of stuff that gives us powers over nature. And um, that these powers that are used to kill nature. And this, this season of voting cycles, the men finally woke up and they thought about to themselves, gee, the 17th century when we didn't know where babies come from, and when we have, we're not quite clear how uh, things uh, in a woman's body work, it's not clear how it works. And we have to own that. That's our discovery. We have to we have to stop women owning this, even though it's happening to their very being. And, uh, and as a writer, I noticed that all these so-called uh, crime shows are just churning out more and more of this. Women be afraid. You don't know what you're doing with your life. You you choose badly for husbands and, and, and boyfriends, and you choose badly no matter what thing you have. And if you get jealous of another one, oh, yes, then it's a cat fight. And, the, and did you ever wonder why men love when women attack each other? I'm sure they don't sit around and think about, oh, we're not going to watch football, we're going to watch something, there's a cat fight. No, it's all subconscious. And what they are seeing is it's very dangerous when the women approve each other. And when, they, when the women approve each other, they are not easily defeated or depowered or taken away decisions from. And um, <clears throat> so, it's, what, 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 hello, can you hear me? Yes, not as not as well. It was just starting to fade off, and I was waiting for you to come to the end of that sentence to say, "Let's see if we can find a better place for you because it's getting a little garbledy again." Oh no! I ran out of house. I have no. Yeah. Let's let's see. Do you? Is this that's the only phone you have, right? Um, I have two phones. If you have another phone, maybe try the other phone. 
No, all I have is one iPhone, and you are hearing it. Okay, then probably just seeing if you move to a different location, if that will get us a better signal. Okay, the only left is... Uh, oh, that sounds much better. It's cool now. What now? It's much better now? Yes, it is. Hello? Yes, okay. yes, it is okay. better now. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to keep it in this direction. Maybe it's just the way I still move when I speak. So, incredibly rich energy. Meaning to women, you don't know anything about yourself. You don't like each other. We like that. And you like each other, we watch that. But you don't solve your own problems well. You don't make good decisions. And that is not true. However, we need to, we need to come together again, like in the 70s, in consciousness reading groups, which, if you remember, and I'm sure you do, Smaller groups of women, usually geographically close to each other, so it's going to be effort to come like once a week, sit around, take equal time with each other, and check in. They used to call it just checking in, and we start with talking about our childhood, and that creates a kind of a, actually, kind of a psychobiological family of this group. And um, we can discuss intimate problems, and they are kept secret. And nobody interrupts anyone talking. And that's another big magical thing. When a woman is not interrupted, she can bring up things that she was forced to hide or she herself was puzzled by. And the group itself has the solution, but they don't give it to her right away. They wait until she goes home again and she tells herself because her brain will create the solution. And if she cannot get that, she comes back to her group, her biopsychology group, and somebody there will have the answer. And I'm telling you, this is like a miracle, a total miracle that no matter when a group of women get together, they have the solution what they need for each of them. And so I'm promoting getting together again, not necessarily in the coven, which is where it leads eventually if you are so inclined, but to just help surviving patriarchy, help surviving of different roles we have taken on, help surviving seeking our own happiness. These things can all be facilitated <clears throat> for free by getting together and sharing in equal time. Nobody dominates the group. There's only a timekeeper. There's no leader. You don't need a leader for this one. And keep it simple. A humanity that we carry, experiment. So I was thinking, because you gave me this platform, and I'm very grateful because I don't get platforms nowadays, sitting here and watching <laughs>
what I do, um, a kind of a, oh, it's all my fault, which is still going on in the disease, the mind disease. And um, in fact, we have a medicine. Now, how do we get it together? In the old days, when this became, and feminism was coming up as a tsunami, everything that anybody offered for us to do, we did. And it was this consciousness raising, it's practiced by Native Americans, they call it something else. It's practiced by friendship groups, just organically, because it's practiced by families who take family life very seriously, and they are many members. And um, and desired by people like myself, I, I got old, which is fine, and many women around me are about the same age. They are out of here if you are under 55. And what it does is I get to see my generation who did not grow up and had the benefit of the feminist movement, but they were busy raising families, they were busy having jobs, they could not, they were not informed that this was available. And there are no more women's centers. So and you have to ask yourself, why not? Well, they, they thought it was forever, and then um, they were attacked by the right-wingers. And, and, and then, essentially, what that, the message to us was that, okay, you had your moment, you had your feminism, now we're going to talk about them. And then... In recent times, the conversation came back to us because we seem to need abortions. It never extended to the fact that we didn't knock ourselves up. Men resent using birth control. Men say things like, oh, it just doesn't feel right. Yeah, but what about the woman for whom it's a life-threatening opportunity to die. I mean, you can die of an unwanted pregnancy. You can die in childbirth. In fact, um, it's dangerous to do what we do, uh, creating more humanity. And it is mind-blowing to me that our own sons don't care. They just don't care. Oh, mama takes care of these things. You don't have to bother. It's like doing dishes. Mama takes care of that too. And it's, you know, it's like delegating the, the total responsibility for the human race to women. But they still give us less money for the same work. So that if, even if we carry to terms babies we knew we couldn't afford, it's still on us. And we get punished with poverty and exclusion and the inability to really take a job that would need a lot of our energy because I have no ones to look after. And so our very gift of life becomes a weapon against us. I think we should blow up that system that is so unfeeling. There are some good men around, I, I give you that, and I made two of them, but look, our, our 
standards are so low. The standards are so low. Okay, so they don't kill. They don't, um, they don't uh, knock you up. My son has a vasectomy, for example, the aquarium one. Um, I didn't know that, and he told me. I congratulated him, and I declared him, have, now you have a great claim to be a role model because we don't need more people. It's like 8 billion of us already. And unless the infrastructure is totally changed and humanity starts creating such um, that would not hurt the planet, it's not a good thing to have that many of us. It's, it's really a, thre- a threat to ecology and, and weather. And it's a threat to everything. Unless, of course, we don't use energy the same way we do now. So um, I'm thinking that what we should do after this, after we win this election cycle, which I think we will, because what we always talk about yes, the pink tsunami, the women are pissed off and they they vote, but the young, the young are pissed off and they got registered. And then the young tsunami joins the pink tsunami. There'll be nothing left. Let's just kind of take care of everything. But then they need to learn a new culture. They cannot broadcast this death culture to everyone. I mean, a woman comes home from a hot labor day when she was in the office or elsewhere. And she wants to pick up her, her shoes and lie down on the couch and watch something that relaxes her and approves of her. And instead, she gets this best culture. You know good, you know good, baby, you know good, you know? <laughs> and it's about Golly. <laughs> women, women sliced and sliced and displayed um, very well in the shows, but it's still, you fucked up again, you chose wrong, and, um, and then, you know, we can't sleep. But that's another thing they cure us for, and then you have to take pills for it, and the body says, no, just give us better things to think about. So the way patriarchy fights back now is some of it is very visible and easy to see, but most of it is invisible. It's hidden in little crumpets in, in the shoes that they broadcast to us. Now, that was another good thing that happened. Many platforms occurred. There are many platforms now different things are broadcast. And women have voices now. It's, it, and especially, oh, thank God it's for black women. Thank God it's for black women. Because I, I, I saw the white woman feminist movement that, was, that I was part of, and we were always accused of that of black women. But hey, we barely could manage going together as white women. Well, I mean, it would look good if we went to the hospital and ask for, did we have some black women, please, you know, because we don't have one? I mean, that's ridiculous. Black women always had their own, their own groups and their own systems, and now they are leading, and that's, that's the best we can hope for because they have their platforms on many TV shows. They have good writers. Their stuff is out there. They, they, they 
of Hollywood and whatever else, because they know that the black women took enough of the terribleness, they will not stand for any more of it, and they are afraid of the anger of the black women because they fall of the stereotypes they projected. So the white women, white men are not too afraid of. So yeah, she's loud, she may be called sex, but she comes around, and she's having her own money. She can pay for herself, she can pay for um, her sons um, to educate and to get a good job, but they're not threatening to them. But a united front of black women and white women joining forces is a cultural a cultural influx, you know, a big injection into patriarchy's third eye. And raise the power in our own sister's hearts that it is it is not true what you've been watching. We are not always losing and we are not destined to lose just because we have a vagina. And we don't have to give up good sex just because the men are not good at it, most of them and that they don't want to use uh, any protection. And we haven't figured how that out because in the heat of, oh, I, I want you, I want you, we sort of want it too. And not saying, no, you haven't got any protection on you. No, then you cannot have any. And think far too much as this extra responsibility of women to make sure the men do use of their control. When I work in, in um, the abortion counseling um, part of feminism back in the 70s when it was against the law, um, even even then we found a way to get away with it. It was often the women who showed up and most often they brought their children because they didn't have anybody babysit with them. So like there was this Irish family, but the man was a big Catholic. He wanted to use birth control because he was religious, right? And she already had five kids. And they would all wait for her in the waiting room. And they just thought that Mama had some some, some secret female stuff done. So the father wasn't even there. She had no birth control. She brought her kids. That is like so sad, so sad, sad, sad. Um, and the fact that we are not even researching birth control, the herbal birth control that the witches used to know and share. I mean, when, well, I always, I always say you, to people that it's not a slur when they say that witches killed babies, because what they mean is that witches could tell women how to use effective birth control. And as far as they were concerned, that was killing a baby. It wasn't literally, you know, throwing the baby in the cooking pot. No, no. As the cartoons would have it. But but do we know how to control fertility? Well, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I mean, that's like kind of an important thing. It's not often wasn't good um, in some areas. Women would use things that were more dangerous than need be. 
or things yeah. that were kind of strange or a little rare, but you know, some of them are like really, really easy. For instance, sperm is killed by vitamin C. You know, somebody who doesn't want to use protection, you have either a packet of emergency, the powdered vitamin C, or a pill or a capsule of vitamin C, and you put that right up there, and bam, it's a sperm killer. Ooh, really good. How easy is that? It's amazing, Susan. Uh, I have not heard that before, even though I wrote the book with Lady Ace and what the city has in it, but um, uh, I have never heard of vitamin C. I did not know that they are uh, enemies of sperm coming in. Sperm are also very heat, very, very heat sensitive. And if you're with someone regularly and you can get them in a hot tub, and you do that, you know, nightly for a week, then he'll pretty much be shooting blanks for the next six weeks. But it's, it makes a devoted heterosexual to remember all this and well, actually follow it. You know, <laughs> I, I, I write for women who um, are heterosexual, and I think that uh, it's important for us all to keep this people's medicine information current yes. and active. Jujana, I completely, a thousand percent agree with you about women's circles. And it is one of the things that I praise you for and love you for is that you have such a facility for creating women's circles and for creating magical, amazing rituals in those circles. You know, we're on a blog yeah. talk show and they're severe about slamming the door on us. So I want to make sure that people know where to go to get more information about you and what you do in your books. What's the best website address for them? And, and um, my new book is out now, The Aquarian Holy Book of Women's Mysteries. And Yay! It has gotten, yes. Yay! And it has my mother's art in it, like big time. And behind oh. each of her statues, there is a NASA shot of the Milky Way and oh, other oh, yes. Yes. So you can oh, order wonderful, it. wonderful, wonderful. From Amazon and everywhere. Look around on my site. Um there is direct spots that you can pay for it. And, so, and so five dollars is your is your website Z Budapest? Yes. Yes, zbudapest.com. You can get Z's books directly from her. Amazon takes a big cut. So go and get it from Z. Her new book, Aquarian Book of Women's Mysteries, oh, blessed be, is finally available. Grab them while you can. I was so glad that I got one of those original, you know, 1970s holy books of women's mysteries because those are rare items now. All right. Well, I send you my love, and, and everybody loves the, the uh, um, video that you sent us, and I thank you for it because it, it remembers our friendship and goes back to our nursing ourselves. Indeed. Did you, did you get a chance to see the – I know they did a video of the presentation that I did on the first Goddess Conference yes. in 1976. Did you get a chance to see any of it? Um, it, was, it was on the uh, video you sent us, no? 
It's um yes. Well, we didn't send you the video. That I think that uh, Pink took a video while it was going on. I'm not sure. Um, but I don't think that we have the video. I hope that Tink has the video. At any rate, we'll check and see. And that's another thing you should check out is that Jujana runs a goddess conference in the Redwoods. Absolutely amazing. We are reweaving the healing cloak of the ancients, and your threads are powerful and connect us deeply to ourselves and our ancestors. And Sarah Ellen, I want to thank you for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. I'm so sorry we have to say goodbye. I love you, Jujana. I love you, Sarah Ellen. I, I love you. I listen. love you, darling, and I kiss you, kiss you, ah. kiss you. And I am Good night, everybody. Kisses and hugs. Green blessings. Good night. Bye.